Welcome to the Saturday Night Live After Party. This week we'll be discussing Season 45, Episode 13 of SNL with host RuPaul and musical guest Justin Bieber. I'm Steve Finn, and I'm joined this week, as always, by John Murray. Also, I'm joined by New York-based comedy writer Catherine Coleman. You can see Catherine perform in her new show later this spring at The Pit in New York City. You can connect with Catherine on Instagram at Catherine, with a K, C. Coleman. And you can find us at snlpodcast.com. Enjoy the following selected highlights from this week's discussion. And if you'd like to hear our full-length, ad-free, sketch-by-sketch review, it's available exclusively for our patrons at patreon.com slash snlpodcast. It's our patrons who make the cast possible, and we are so thankful to everyone who's already come on board. To learn more, go to patreon.com slash snlpodcast. All right, let's get into it. So, John, mm-hmm. you have brought a guest today. Uh, I have yet to meet this young lady. Why don't you introduce us to our, our guest tonight? Sure. Catherine, why don't you wave and say hello so that our you know television studio audience can, can see your lovely face? Hello. Hi. I'm doing my best parade wave. <laughs> <laughs> so, just to catch everyone up, anyone who follows the cast knows that uh, I am stepping back and taking on a more sort of executive producer role with the cast moving forward. And we are actively looking for fresh blood, uh, people who can participate in the cast and, you know, uh, take it to the next level and just bring new voice to uh, the SNL after party. And Steve's been gracious enough to kite things along and step in as interim producer, and he's going to continue to do so for the foreseeable future. But, Last week, a patron of our show, a, a longtime supporter, and someone that I actually had the pleasure to meet um, one of the times when I was in New York, I believe last May. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, I was hanging out in the standby line, and Catherine actually made her way down to Rockefeller Center just to, you know, say hi and, uh, you know, just uh, offer support and say that she enjoyed the cast, and we chatted for a little bit. So we actually have a bit of a rapport. So it was nice. Um, that I already, you know, could put a, a face to the name when you checked in and said, Hey, you know what? Um, I'm here in New York. I, I kind of do the, uh, sketch comedy circuit. I, you know, uh, I kind of know the lay of the land. I've been listening to the show. I'd like to throw my, my hat in, uh, and, and maybe take a run at the show. And I said, well, you know what? That sounds great. Why don't we <laughs> get you up and, uh, do a run through here and just see how we all click. And, uh, that's kind of where we're at as of right now. This is your maiden voyage. And um, we're just hoping the audience likes you because if they don't, then, you know, we're never going to see you again. But yeah, if you can hold your own, <laughs> if you can, if you can bring uh, an adequate level of competency to at least match what Steve and I bring, which is not a high bar, uh, <laughs> if, if you can at least keep pace with, with what we've got going on here, then we'd like to potentially bring you in the fold and, and see if maybe there's a fit here to have you step in and participate long term. Yeah. That's long and short of it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited. Yeah, uh, I'm going to uh, ask you a couple questions here just All to right. establish your, your SNL cred. But before I do that, I wanted to read something that you sent over. I, I emailed you a couple days ago and I said, hey, you got a bio or something that <laughs> we can like just throw at the upfront just to kind of let people know what your deal is. And you sent me back something that I thought was cleverly written. And, <laughs> Thank you. you know, it's not a super informative or lengthy bio, no, but <laughs> if nothing else, it proves that um, you've got a knack for comedy writing. And I was tickled to read it. So I just Thank thought, you, you know, I'm going to I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw this out. And I think maybe. Maybe this will say everything that needs to be said, yes. but sort of, you know, uh, where you're coming from. So this was actually written by Catherine. This is her bio that she sent over. Catherine is a New York based comedy writer who met Tina Fey on a train once. 
She is a UCB sketch grad currently working on a show about nitpicky jerks. During the day, you can find her teaching science to kids, napping, or crying over cute subway rats. She is also an SNL superfan and five-time standby line veteran. So I feel like in a few short sentences there, you ticked a lot of boxes. (laughs) What did you talk about with Tina Fey on the train? Uh, Just very briefly, uh, she she got off at Rockefeller. I was also getting off at Rockefeller. And like I kind of caught up to her and I was just like, hey, sorry to bother you. I just wanted you to know I'm a huge fan. You actually inspired me to become a writer. Uh, And she was like, oh, thank you so much. I wish you the best of luck. And she was very nice, very gracious. Yeah, that is awesome. (laughs) That is awesome. Yeah. And you've actually done the standby line. So you've seen the show, which is mm-hmm. not something that every SNL podcast personality can, can claim. So I respect that you're, you're bringing more than just sort of like a fan perspective. You're not just right. someone who's watched at home. You're someone that's actually been in the studio and watched it. So I want to know what was the first show that you did standby for and kind of what's your fondest memory of attending an SNL performance? All right. Yeah. So the, uh, the first show I did standby for was. We're in 45 right now. So season 43, it was the Bill Hader episode. Oh, yeah. And uh, it was great. Um, I didn't have to wait too long because it was very cold. Mm-hmm. I was really nervous because I was like, if I drag my husband down here and we don't get in, just that's my shot. He's not going again. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> thankfully, we did get in. We did the dress rehearsal. And that was mm-hmm. great. Uh, my all-time favorite memory, though, was uh, this past season, I went to the David Harbour episode. Mm-hmm. And I went with one of my best friends uh, in the world and I was sitting there and it was during the cold open. Kate went off stage and I was like, she was like changing her wig because they had done like a thing. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And I didn't even notice that Lin-Manuel Miranda had walked on stage. Oh, yeah. And my friend Hannah right. was like, Catherine, Catherine, it's Lynn. And I looked and all I could do was just like, I didn't like cheer. I just went, ah, <laughs> <laughs> like I just started yelling. Uh, and it was just so like there was the energy was there. It was great. Uh, that was a really good experience that night. Yeah, some some people um, question why SNL stuffed so many celebrity cameos in the upfront of the show, but I don't I don't think that you can really appreciate the mileage you get in in just getting your audience roused from having a few celebrities pop in. So uh, I think it's a calculated move. And I think once Mm -hmm. people see the show, they're a lot more forgiving of it because they realize, oh, you know what? This is a lot of fun for the people that are actually there. A fun little surprise. And it can get old on the couch, but like no matter how many times I've seen Alec Baldwin when I'm in the room, it's like, oh, he's here. That's cool. (laughs) Totally different. Yeah, yeah it, it all it always works in the house. So, yeah. uh, you know, I, I sound like a, a broken record at this point, but I encourage anyone that has the opportunity to do standby line and get in to see a dress rehearsal. Go do it. Well, do Absolutely. the live show if you want, but the dress rehearsal is better. You get more of the show and yeah. you get a, a version of the show that only you and a few hundred of your closest friends will ever know. So uh, <laughs> that's what I always do if, if I have the choice. But yeah, it it gives you so much more perspective on the show yeah. and you get those kind of memories and, uh, yeah. you know, a vantage point that is just uniquely for you forever. Right. Um, so much fun. So uh, I'm glad to have someone in the mix that can bring that kind of perspective to to your commentary. And uh, I'm just excited to see how we all get on here. All right, let's get into the pre-tape Boop It, a commercial parody that gets derailed by a father in conflict with his own pride. (laughs) I really liked this one a lot. I think they nailed all the parody aspects. It felt like I was watching a kid's commercial. I, I really respect it every time they managed to pull it off, hitting the exact right tropes with the fonts and the things. And the sort of fisheye lens aspects. Mm-hmm. 
uh, you know, I remember Bop It. I grew up with a Bop It. Um, <laughs> and I do think my mom probably hated it. Um, Lucky you. <laughs> I came from a low-income Simon family. Yeah, so I was, I'm the Simon generation, too. I was thinking Bop It. <laughs> but I'm glad your parents were able to splurge out of Bop It for you. That, yeah. that must be a nice, nice yeah. upbringing. You know, living the charmed life with my Bop It, my Bop It Extreme. Um, that one had the four pieces. Mm-hmm. Oh, snap. Yeah. Um, but no, the, I thought this uh, it was a great sketch. The adult frustration with like this simple, stupid thing that your kid can do. And you're like, why can't I handle it? And Beck played the part <laughs> fabulously. I, I was really loving this one. I was laughing a lot. And then especially once, like, once he started drinking and he was like, get him back here. He needs to see this. And then Heidi comes in and they haven't eaten dinner. It got really dark. And I loved that about it. Uh, yeah, I, this one was working for me for sure. What about you, John? Oh, this was an unqualified win. This was fantastic. I love pre-tapes where they start out in commercial mode. Everything's fun. Everything's upbeat. Like Catherine was saying, you've got those extreme camera moves and you've got the fun, you know, wording overlays and, you know, everything's just extreme and the kids are all having a great time. And, and then they slowly unfold the narrative. You know, at right, first right. you think, okay, well, this is just the stuffy dad that doesn't get it. And how much cooler is this toy? Because, you know, kids are awesome at it, but parents, they're so lame and out of touch. Like it starts out that Beck's just kind of a cutout of the, you know, the, mm-hmm. the parent in one of those commercials. And then slowly you begin to realize, no, this is a loser that just desperately needs a win. Uh-huh. And he's just putting it all on the line with this boop it you know he's got nothing else going on in life he's he's on the brink and he just really can't take another hit and so to begin to reveal his sad sack nature and how caustic he is and how he's basically you know ruining his children's lives um that's you know that is seriously dark and so much fun and this is not the first time we've seen heidi in her in her mom wig and yeah, she, she pulls that off. Just, Mm -hmm. yeah, I am so over this guy. Yeah. You want to, you want to have another go around? No, no, I'm (laughs) done with you. Like she can sell all that out with a glance. Oh, brilliant. I loved it. This was fun. (laughs) Thumbs up. (laughs) Thumbs up here too. For all the reasons you guys are saying, when I think about it, SNL has two main approaches to a commercial parody. And the first one would be having some kind of wacky product that is just, Mm. you know, not useful for some weird reason, or it's just like really cartoonishly Mm -hmm. office potty or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Stuff Uh like that. And they're using the tropes of commercials that are otherwise used to sell reasonable products Mm -hmm. are now used to sell these unreasonable products. Therefore humor is created. Everybody's happy. We all have a laugh. This is a little bit different. It's taking advantage of, the blankness that is in the family that is usually depicted in commercials. There's, there's so little uh, presented other than the bare minimum so that you can project yourself and your family onto these. Mm -hmm. So taking advantage of that setup and adding what usually is not there, you know, an extra storyline about maybe drinking a little too much. There's a lot of subtle, dark things that creep into the otherwise squeaky clean commercial narrative. So the brilliance here is, just learning too much about your commercial family. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it's done brilliantly. Mm -hmm. Once you think that it's sad enough, that it's just about Beck's characters struggle with his own sense of competence, you know, being challenged by this kid's toy. 
then the ex-wife shows up. He's two hours late <laughs> dropping the kids off. Uh, hasn't even fed them. It, it really crashes and burns in a beautifully dark comedic way that yeah. I have just been through, I guess so much pain in my life that I can laugh at this. <laughs> uh, with <laughs> you're, you're right, Steve. The, the first reveal is that he has an inferiority complex and you yeah. think that's the full joke and that'd be good enough. You know, this dad's just going to get really intense with this game, but no, then they start kicking him while he's down. And that's, that's just a great way to, yeah. to kick the sketch into another gear. It heightened really evenly. Yeah. Very good pacing. It just kept, yeah. Yeah. You got to respect how it was unfolded. Yeah, yeah. This one was good. This one was really good. The thirsty cops are back. And they're thirstier and fiercer than ever. <laughs> they're certainly thirsty. I'm I'm not sold on these sketches. This is the second time, and it just it makes me uncomfortable. I think they have good jokes, and like I, I kind of laugh along with them, but then I don't know. It leaves me feeling weird. I don't. So like I like I like it, but I don't love it. It's just it's just something uncomfortable about it for me that holds me back from enjoying it too much. I mean, it does come at you pretty yeah. aggressively, so that's understandable. John, do you understand that sentiment? I think so, because if you want to impose any sense of social justice on this, this is terribly inappropriate. This is Me Too in reverse, and yeah. like, mm -hmm. no one should be pulled over and accosted and uh, propositioned and, and you know, turned into some sort of yeah, sexual <laughs> object. So yes, this is wrong on all levels, but my personal feeling about comedy in general is that's the place where you can dissect the things that are uncomfortable in a serious context. And sometimes if you, you know, you reverse them and play with them a little bit and, uh, find the humor in it. Sometimes that can be kind of enlightening too. Like that can, yeah. you can almost help people to maybe understand how the other side sees it. And, uh, I don't mind, these kind of sketch. Well, I, I, there's very little comedy that I, I personally take offense to or get uncomfortable by. But I, first off, I feel like this isn't shooting that high. I don't think they're trying to impose social commentary. And I, I don't think they're trying to say anything profound. I just think that this is just, you know, let's have fun with these silly over the top cop characters and have them say, you know, the, the most, you know, vulgar provocative things we can think to write for them. I think that's all they're shooting for. And I personally enjoy it quite a bit i think it's fun uh, i like that their victim was a little more playful this time so i think that helps too like when they're kind of yeah, in, yeah, yeah. into it just uh, enough that nobody has to feel too squeamish about this, this power dynamic gone wrong so i personally am good with it my one note on it was whereas the first live sketch of the night i struggled to figure out how to put rupaul in the role and not just see rupaul in this case this is a role that he was born to play so I liked it even more that Ego thought, hey, you know what? I know who I want to do Thirsty Cops with, <laughs> you know, uh, RuPaul is <laughs> yeah. going to be the, the perfect uh, sidekick for this. And, you know, they rode around RuPaul and I just think it was a good choice. I think it was a smart choice for the show. And mm -hmm. I think it was a smart choice to come out a weekend update with something that's for some viewers, at least pretty easy to get on board with. So I, I was totally fine with this. I thought it had a fun energy and, and I liked the ride. Yeah, I wish I liked it more yeah. than I do. I yeah. do really do. <laughs> Comedy is subjective. Yeah. yeah. No one, no one can. I want to enjoy it. Yeah. You're, but you're not alone. There are the first time they did thirsty cops. I know there, there was some vocal criticism of, mm -hmm. is this crossing a line or saying something that shouldn't be said or, or, you know, trivializing something that should be taken seriously. And I don't personally see it in those terms, but I, I respect that everyone's going to have, you know, their own visceral reaction. 
That's yeah. why we try to have many voices in the mix yes. on uh, SNL <laughs> So, Catherine, if you have one in mind, what's your moment of the night? I think I'm going to pick Chloe yelling, I will not not be rich. Because that really, really cracked me up. Absolutely. <laughs> and it was so happy for her, and it was so funny. And it was a specific joke that I was made for me. And yeah, that was my moment. Yeah, in-house, got a great reaction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a great pick. John, you got any moments? Yeah. Che explaining that the um, hanging black historical figurines were selling for three-fifths their full price. Clever. Constitutional joke. You know, like, yeah, that's, that is smart writing. And, uh, he, he delivered it with, uh, all the, the smarminess that you need to, to make that land. It was just, it was a good moment for him. And, and it signaled to me that, yeah, you know what? Chase, Chase doing some good work tonight. And that was a thinker. That was a solid joke. And I really appreciated that he delivered it as capably as he did. So that was a moment for me. I loved his defense of the joke. Like, Come on. That was smart enough. You know, it had historical context. I could get away yeah, with yeah. this. <laughs> loved it. My moment of the night is Pete and drag. Sure. Not because it was the most hilarious laugh out loud thing, but I think a lot of people are going to be talking about, seeing pete uh done up like that there's a lot of women out there that's got really weird hang-ups on pete you know in a a romantic sense so this is this is definitely going to throw them for a loop and or not yeah (laughs) maybe maybe it's all working we don't know yeah what about best sketch Catherine? what do you have in mind best sketch for me it's gonna go to boop it yeah boop it Boop it. Yeah, library was great, but Boop It is uh, rewatchable a hundred thousand times. Uh, very good. Very solid. Timeless, I think, in a way. Like, it's not going to, it doesn't have that much of a cultural reference that, you know, like, I think you can play it again in a few years and it's still going to yeah. be just as funny. Yep. Yeah, for sure. It was uh, a bit of a slow burn. You can <laughs> definitely see where it was going uh, early on, but it was the execution of it that just made it great. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Very even sketch. Kept in mm-hmm. pace. It was good. Absolutely. John, what's your pick? Boop it. Uh, honorable mention to Chloe Feynman. I'm always happy to see the featured players get their moment. So that was exciting. But I don't think it can really be denied that Boop It was a really strong premise, perfectly executed in the pre-tape format, edited perfectly. And like, you know, you guys just suggested the the writing unfolded in a very satisfying way you get hints that the dad at first is just the fuddy-duddy one-dimensional dad character and then no he's he's scathing a little bit at his defeat and then he's loathing and then he's drinking and then he's you know (laughs) kicking their friend out and dominating the the game to try and you know win back a little bit of uh, self-respect and then (laughs) it all comes crashing down on him and you know, he's begging his wife for another chance. And you're just like, how did we get from point A to point B <laughs> that quickly? And, you know, go as dark as we went with it. And back to his credit, just really pulls off schlub. Great. So yeah, this was pretty perfect. This was a really, really solidly produced, solidly written, solidly performed outing. And uh, yeah, I gotta, gotta applaud it. Poor guy needed a break. <laughs> just needed a win. Did. Yeah. Uh, that's my pick too. Sure. And yeah, I don't know what else could be said about it. It's just really good stuff production-wise, performance-wise. Basically, everything's working here. And you kind of feel for the family 
towards the end when the kids are kind of rooting for the dead when he's starting to yeah. pick up on it and he's like oh, it's, it's almost easy now <laughs> he's gonna get his win but no <laughs> yeah you just get this glimpse like okay these these kids are desperate to connect with their father like he's <laughs> right this is probably the first bit of life he's shown in a while even though oh, slightly God. misdirected i think the, the the brightness in the kid's eyes does not match how the mother feels about it and i think that was intentional <laughs> yeah no, there's there's layers here, and you're right. Yeah, the the kids intentionally encouraging their dad, and almost signals that they kind of understand what low point he's at. And you know, parents <laughs> are kind of supposed to shield their kids from those realities. So the fact that the kids are kind of his support is like even a little more devastating. Yeah. Oh goodness. Yeah. Uh, so overall, who do we think is the MVP of the night, Catherine? I'm going to give it to Cecily. She was all over the place. She was really owning every part she had, you know, if it was working for us or not, she was in it. She was doing great. She was doing exactly how it was meant to be done. And I love Kathy Ann. So, yeah. Yeah. Cecily. What are you, me? Just spoiler alert. That's who <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. Picking I'm sorry. That's amazing. <laughs> I'm picking Cecily too. But before I'm not even supposed to say that yet, John, who are you going with? Uh, Cecily was in the running. Cause yeah, she, she had a good showing. I also thought that Pete should be in the running. Cause Obviously, you know, Pete's been a little MIA and, you know, we always wonder, uh, but he was in the cold open. He had a Chad outing and, you know, he was also in thirsty cops. Like Pete yeah. was actually there, you know, this week mm -hmm. producing sketches. So, I mean, there's something to be said there, but, um, I'm a sucker for a featured player getting their moment. So I'm going with Chloe Feynman. I Yay. just, I, I love to see it. And, uh, you know, a couple seasons back, it was Heidi breaking out all of her fantastically realized, you know, fully formed uh, caricatures mm -hmm. of teenage girls and, and broken women at the desk that I was lauding because I just, I love it when they find their voice and they mm -hmm. find their own and they, they, all this stuff that they've crafted, they can start pooling into really fantastic update stuff. And, um, yeah, now I'm just, I'm glad to be able to do the same for Chloe. This, this was a good moment for her and, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll applaud that. She made the play tonight. Yeah. Great pick. I picked Ego for similar reasons last week. Mm -hmm. And like I said earlier, I'm going with Cecily uh, just because she was in full form as Kathy Ann. Also, of course, check splitting was, despite quite a deep cut in terms of a reference, was a, a very great performance of that mm -hmm. character. And if you were like me and went and watched a couple of the clips of this show, got some context, and then watched it again and enjoyed it, then you see the the brilliance in it. But now that that's out of the way, I'm going to ask Catherine the ultimate question. On a scale of classic, great, decent, weak, or train wreck, Catherine, for $10 million, <laughs> how would you rate this episode? I'll give it a decent. Fair enough. I was enjoying it. It was fun. There was some fun stuff here. Uh, nothing, not a lot. Well, there were some things, but not a lot that I was just really loving, especially the first time through that I was like, this is a great episode. I'm really here for it. Um, yeah. And I think on the, on the rewatch, like we've said, you know, a few things picked up some steam and, and maybe could have gotten it, you know, to that next level. But, but yeah, it was a lot, a lot of good stuff. Not a lot of fantastic. I can't wait to show this to my friends stuff for me. Yeah. John, where are you landing on this? I'm landing on decent as well for, for similar reasons. There wasn't much bad material to speak of. There was a lot of stuff that went over my head personally, but I can't penalize the show because you have a host that is specifically meant to cater to a certain culture. So 
a lot of this isn't going to be for me, but I still got to acknowledge when it's, you know, objectively well-crafted and well-written and well-performed. My biggest struggle with the show really was just seeing RuPaul in character and not as RuPaul because it, it's really hard for me to separate those two. So it was just kind of hard to get lost in sketches when RuPaul always seemed like RuPaul, no matter who RuPaul was playing. But that's, you know, that's my own, uh, you know, baggage. The show itself didn't get to a lot of great heights, but it really didn't have a whole lot that I can point at and say, oh yeah, they just, oh, yeesh, right. that one just fell apart. Uh, so yeah, right down the middle, a perfectly good show, probably fantastic for the audience that doesn't see this represented on SNL as much as they would like. Like there's going to be people that just thought this was fantastic end to end because it probably spoke to them in ways that I can't relate. But for me personally, I got some laughs out of it, but yeah, nothing, nothing too fantastic. So right down the middle. Decent. All right. Let's make it a unanimous decent. because I am (laughs) there along the two yees landing on decent for, I guess, reasons already stated. We just had an acceptable, competent show. Everybody showed up did their job <laughs> and they mm-hmm. generated some decent content. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. So do we have anything else to say on this particular episode, my friends? No. We're good. Let's call it there. Thanks to John Murray. And thanks as well to our special guest, Catherine Coleman. Also to our most generous patrons, Sam Bowers, Neil Weinstein, Justin Gardner, Carissa Eubank, Aaron Intrader, Donald Yates, Zachary Phillip, and Brian Clark. If you're enjoying our show, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whichever app you prefer to listen on. Your subscription helps us grow, and your support is greatly appreciated. We'll be back in three weeks when SNL returns with host John Mulaney and musical guest David Byrne. But until then, this has been episode number 103 of the Saturday Night Live After Party Podcast. I'm Steve Finn, and I am out of here! <laughs> <laughs>